Welcome to the Story Table, brought to you by Providence Church in Lake Providence, Louisiana, where they want you to know that you are loved. So I'm just going to tell y'all just a cute little story about the way this one particular woman dealt with a crazy issue. It was not me, I will tell you that, but the lady that told me this was actually eaten out by herself one day, and she was in a restaurant, a barbecue joint, and she, you know, had got her food brought to her, and she was about to enjoy it, and she noticed this man over there looking at her, and he was kind of intimidating the way he looked, and he had big eyes, and he was staring straight at her and chewing very, very slowly. So she decided he was a serial killer, (laughs) which might sound like quite a jump for some of us, but you can't uh, can't be too careful, right? And so her daddy had always taught her that when you're confronted with a crazy man, just act crazier. (laughs) So what she chose to do is take a bite of her sandwich, and she chewed it up really, really slow while she was looking dead at him. And then she showed it to him. <laughs> she opened her mouth and showed it to him. Katie, that serial killer got up and left. So I'm just saying don't be afraid to think outside the box. Okay? All right. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. Lord, it's all about you. It's everything is about you. You rule, you reign, you have no rival. He's defeated. Have your way this morning. Have your way in us. Holy Spirit of God, give me ears to hear and eyes to see what you're doing in this moment. And I thank you, Lord. Amen. Kinkin, the baby friend, sat back there earlier. I was holding her during worship. She is such a blessing to us, this last one that's come along. A couple Sundays ago, they were all at my house, and, and I was well. I was well in our universe until Kennedy was about to take a nap, and we could not find her stuffy. Anybody, mommies? We could not find Kenny stuffy, could we? we it, it was a big deal. So everybody's looking for Kenny stuffy. We finally actually gave her um, a baby bear out of the nursery where they've all played with. It's not Kenny stuffy. We, we need the stuffy. I have a picture of when we found Kenny stuffy, and it's me, and I'm holding Kenny on my hip, and Kenny has got that stuffy by the neck, that giraffe by the neck. And she is grinning ear to ear because she has her stuffy and all is well with her world. Well, this is what we know as a family and it's what you know. Kenny's stuffy won't always do it for her. We know there's coming a day when Kenny's stuffy is not going to be enough for her. Kenny is going to face things that's going to require her to have more than a stuffy. It won't do anymore. We know that's coming for Kenny. We know those times are ahead for her because we know that we are living them now. We're in those times. 
when our stuffies won't work. I need you to know what the Lord has been doing. He has been bringing people to my back porch. Desperate people to my back porch. With all their fears and their doubts about this world. With all their skepticism about Jesus. Bringing them to my back porch. I'm not talking about people in this congregation. Not people in my immediate circle of family and friends. People in this town that if other people in this town knew the people in this town that were coming to my back porch would be flabbergasted, pouring their hearts out. I'm having conversations with strangers right now that go from, hey, how you doing, to how do you know Jesus is real? That's what I'm talking about. Desperate people are all around us. I get it. I'm a news buff. Maybe it would be better if I wasn't. But I watch the news. I love to know what's going on. I like to watch all the different news outlets. Hello. If you're not grounded in Jesus, that'll twist you fast. See what's going on out there. So I get it. I get that the world feels desperate. I mean, the influx of information alone that we get we can't figure out how to process today's trauma that we got that we heard about before we get tomorrow's drama piled on top of what we hadn't figured out about yesterday anybody else and who gets to fact check the fact checkers it's enough to make anybody feel vulnerable if they're not living with the presence of Jesus Christ himself We've got a scripture this morning. I want, I want to show you what Jesus calls these times that we live in. I think we can pull it up, but if not, it's Matthew 24. Thank you, Dale. He was waiting on me to say those words. Matthew 24, verses 3 through 8. I'm going to read them to you. And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came up to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes, anybody in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Other translations at the end of that say these are the beginning of birth pains. I'm not going to stand here and tell you how close we are to Jesus' return. I do not know. I know that we are in the season. I don't know the day. Find you a theologian if you want to that does, but you better check him out or check her out because the Word of God says no one does. So be careful right there. So I can tell you that we're close, but I don't know how close. Instead, I'd rather tell you something that I know something about. That's those birth pains. Did that twice. I know something about birth pains. 
A lot of the women here this morning know something about birth pains. But let us tell you, gentlemen, what we know. You've already observed, but let, let's just go over it about these birth pains. This is what we know. We know that when the birth pains hit, this is not when the pregnant mama decides, what, do, what color do I want to paint the nursery? She's focused. Listen to me, church. This is not when the pregnant mama decides, I don't know if I want to go balloons or bears, balloons or bears, balloons or bears on the nursery walls. This is not that time. When the birth pains begin, the woman about to give birth has nothing on her mind but the impending arrival of the one they've talked about, read books to prepare for. Is anybody with me this morning? You know what else she doesn't expect to happen? Pastor Chris, she does not expect for it to go backwards the other way. She's not saying, oh, I just wish things could go back to the way they were. I mean, she may want that. God knows I did. There was a time I was like, I changed my mind. Too late. This is painful. Oh, I changed my mind. No. So see, we're asking the wrong questions when we ask questions like, you know, how, how can we go back or when can it be that way or what? You know, everything looking this way. The question we need to be asking ourselves as the body of Christ is how do we live in these days with these birth pains upon the earth? We need a tutorial. We need to know how we can do this, and we do not need to pull out our phone to go to YouTube or Google for that tutorial. We need to go right here. Here's our tutorial of what we're supposed to be doing and how we can be overcomers. Revelations 12, 7 through 12. We're going to read about some, some people just like us who overcame. The people we're going to read about had lives just like us. They are flesh and blood people just like us. They are our tutorial of how we're going to live and how we're going to be overcomers. We're going to read about them starting in verse, 11, verse 7. And I do believe, Dale, oh, I think I may stop when I stop. Let's read. Starting in verse 7. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. Everybody say, cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him. Here we are. By the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. 
Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. I wish you would underline that in your head if you don't underline that in the Bible because he knows that he has a short time. See, we, we may not know he has a short time, but he knows he has a short time. The devil is circling the drain. And he knows, he knows that he's circling the drain and we are the object of his wrath. There's no pretty sugar coatery way to say that. We are the object of his wrath because of the one who lives within us who defeated him and the potential power of the one in us to overcome him. Did anybody hear me say potential? We need a real good heads up about Emmanuel, God in us. Is our potential to live as overcomers, not our guarantee. We need to understand that the potential power is in me to overcome the enemy, but I have access to that power as I am yielded and walking with him. I'll give you a for instance, just in case I'm not being real clear. Second Corinthians, did I write it down? First Corinthians 2.16. Can we pull that up? We love this scripture. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Oh, hallelujah. We have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. I'm just going to go around all the time. I have the mind of Christ. That's what I have. I have the mind of Christ. Well, newsflash. I don't know how that works for you, but I have found out that the mind of Shelly is also still with me. Sadly, I operate out of the mind of Shelly a good bit more than I want to. I look at this scripture and I'm like, Lord, I have the mind of Christ. I need to know, Miss Ann, how can I think with the mind of Christ? I have the mind of Jesus Christ. I do. How can I think with the mind of Christ? I'm like, I need, oh, I need an outline list, a tutorial. I need to know how I can do this. We have something better than a list. We have something better than a game plan. We have the Holy Spirit of God in us to work with his word to produce his ways can I say that one more time I don't know how I said it we have the Holy Spirit of God in us to work with his word to produce his ways and when I am yielded to his ways the more I am yielded my thoughts to his thoughts I think with the mind of Christ. When I yield my purposes to his purposes, I think with the mind of Christ. Do you see what I'm saying? There's our potential. Let's look at our tutorial. We have three distinct tools in this passage. And each one of them are about living and walking with Jesus. But that's where our strength is going to be found and not in our stuffies. Let me show y'all what I found. Let me, I don't do visual aids, but i got to show y'all my Jesus stuffy. Y'all can laugh at him if you want to with Rhonda. I made him about 30 years ago for Jessica Ann. I did. When I started thinking about all this and how we need the presence of Jesus living with us, 
and not a Jesus stuffy. I thought, how can I explain what I'm talking about? And this little guy came to my mind that, that first time I was pulling out of the driveway. I literally had everything packed and went inside and found him in a closet because I remembered his soft little body, and I gave him some Mediterranean garb, which is really my T-shirt that I wrapped around him in the hotel room. And he became my stuffy Jesus. Now, let me tell you, if all you have is a Jesus stuffy, you're in trouble. What's a Jesus stuffy, Shelly? A Jesus stuffy can be church. I go to church. It makes me feel good. And I worship. And I enjoy it. And then I put my Jesus stuffy in the back seat. And I go about my rest of my week, my day, my life. And I do my thing. And then it's the next Sunday. And I, wait a minute, where, where, ooh, where's my Jesus stuffy? That won't do. We can make our devotionals our Jesus stuffies. We can have our Bible studies moment. That can be our little Jesus stuffy. I did that that day. Check, check. I did that. And I got some peace and I got some comfort from it. And then I'm going to go into my day and we can make a stuffy out of our moments. What I'm trying and maybe not well to say is that having a Jesus stuffy will not make us an overcomer what will make us an overcomer is walking with the one who has already overcame the three things the first one says that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and I'm just going to ask you this morning do you know for a fact that you have been saved by the blood of the lamb and you might say, but Shelly, I can't believe you're going you're to go there again. You're going to ask that again in this church with people that come to hear God's word here. Yes, I am because my own experience and my years in women's ministry have taught me that everywhere I speak, there is somebody that's hoping they're saved. There are. Up in all of our churches, there are people that are hoping they're saved, but they're hoping you, person sitting beside them, don't know they're thinking about that. They maybe have decided to be really moral. Or maybe they've decided to turn over a new leaf. They've decided to do better than they were doing. But they're not saved. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb means they passed from death into life. There was a point where they passed from death into life. So I've probably said what I'm about to say to you in this church, and I'm saying it again because Holy Spirit wants me to. I'm going to tell you in a nutshell as fast as I can how I settled that in my life because someone needs to hear me say this that doesn't want the people sitting next to you to know that you aren't absolutely convinced that you're saved. Because if God is not witnessing to you that you are his, you better check up and hear me. You better check up. I spent years trying to decide if I was saved. You've heard me say it. I, I did the Dr. Seuss prayers. You've heard me tell you. I prayed the sinner's prayer at a car. I prayed it from afar. I prayed it in a tree. I prayed it on my knee. I prayed it at the altar call. I prayed it the next time they had an altar call, but no one knew what I was praying about because I didn't pray it out loud because I was supposed to be saved, but I was always in search of some assurance that I was a believer. And my life changed when I moved my emphasis from trying to be assured of my salvation, do you, when I say that, do you hear any Jesus? Do you hear any pursuit of Jesus when I tell you that I was trying to be assured of my salvation? 
You do not. When I read John 17, 3, and the Holy Spirit got a hold of my heart, and it said eternal life is to know God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent, and I was like, well, that's never been my focus, to know you intimately. And I changed my focus from knowing that I'm saved to knowing Jesus Christ. And I began to be like, if anybody's ever going to know you, I'm going to know you. And I set out to know this Jesus, and it was a long time before I realized that, whoa, I hadn't even thought about that anymore. I have not even thought about that, praying that way anymore. Do you know why? Because God had witnessed himself to me by then, that I'm yours and you're mine. Because I was after Jesus, then I knew I'm yours and you're mine. So if you're sitting here this morning and you don't know I am imploring you to give your life, your whole life to Jesus and make him your aim. And do not stop until God witnesses to you. You are mine. And I am yours. The second way they overcame him was by the word of their testimony. Can I share, if it sounds harsh, can I smile and make it gentle and tell you that your testimony, my sweet brother and sister, is not just the day that I got saved. That's not my testimony. That's not the testimony that overcomes the enemy. That does not scare the enemy as I walk around this world because I can tell somebody about a day. Enemy's like, Psh, tell them all you want. Tell them all, say it, say it. Because it just helps. Because they didn't hurt everybody else. Say it. Say it. No, the word of our testimony is when the word of God, he is the testimony. And when he is living in us and transforming us in our ways or looking like his ways, that is our testimony that overcomes the enemy. See, our witness is what's happening on our walk if we can sin without being ashamed of it, if we can be rude without regretting it, if we can hold grudges against other people when, they, when we've been forgiven, this word is not evidence in itself through our life. We aren't bothering the enemy. We sure aren't overcoming him. Our witness is what's happening on our walk, I just had a thought. Do y'all remember when we used to sing this song? Um, it is a good song. I'm not throwing shade on the song. But um, it was on a Monday, Somebody Touched Me. It's on a Sunday. It was a good song. You jumped up when it was your day, right? Y'all, I'm fessing up right here way back then. Do you know I just jumped up on a Thursday because I chose that day? I did, Rhonda. I chose Thursday. So I'd just wait. They'd get to Thursday. I'd jump up. It was on a Thursday, and I'd sing about Thursday because it was in the days before he had witnessed to me that I was his. So I just, I just chose me a day. But knowing that day is not walking with Jesus. Y'all, I, I want us to be overcomers. I want us to survive in these times and thrive in these times and be the light and the beacon that we're supposed to be. This last one, 
Oh, this is, this is the best one. This is like when we tell people, like, uh, w- there's a version of the gospel that we tell, and then, then, then when we actually say, well, actually, no, what we're doing is we're inviting you to come and die. Come and die. We don't want to teach that because that just, that's, that's just not really attractive. Come and die. That's just not really appealing to our, 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 the people in the world and the people around us. I need you to just come with me, and we're just going to come and die. But I'm telling you, it is. It is, it is, it is, it is. Come and die is the overcoming life. The third one says they did not love their lives unto the death. Self-love, self-interest, self-promotion, everything else about self, y'all, is our default. Our, not just mine. I'm admitting to it, but it's yours, my sweet brothers and sisters. It is our default. They overcame him because they did not love their lives to the death. They did not spend their time trying to curate their little museum. Make my little life the way I want it to be. Add this, take away that. My life, my life, my life. They decided that their life paled in significance to the king of the universe. And they didn't love their lives that way. I'm still after, as I stand here right now today, I'm still after that kind of living, dying. I've been after this living, dying for a long time. I am here to tell you I have not arrived. I have Not arrived, but I'm after that because when I've tasted what it feels like, I've tasted what it does to my soul when I'm living, dying. So I'm after that. So every morning of my life, you're going to see me or hear me if you were anywhere near me saying to the good Lord, rule me. I submit to you, reign over me because if you don't, I'm going to try to. And I'm, I'm like, Paul, I'm dying daily. It is my desire to die daily. So I ask him every day, help me, help me, help me, help me die today. I'm the neediest, neediest of the needy. Help me die. Because I know what it feels like to try to live for Jesus without living with Jesus. Man, it's despairing. Want us to be overcomers. I want us to look like the people that overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and because they did not love their lives unto death. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this last part how I wrote it down because I want to say it this way. Providence Church, when we live as pilgrims. When we testify to the word because we are living with Jesus, dying to ourselves, not loving our own lives, we're going to do three things. We are going to confound an angry and fearful world. We witness to those who are wavering between life and death. And the last thing that we do is we encourage other believers.